Icon Nation. What's the word? It's your boy, Nick White. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jalen Talley. It's your girl, Darnice Pashon. Tonight, we have a very special guest in the house with us. We have Miss Daisha Gamble in the house. Hi, everybody. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm a little anxious, but I'm very excited to talk about love. No need to be nervous. We're going to get into it. Uh, we have a very special topic for you all tonight. Uh, we are going to be taking a dive deep into the history of the Limp family. For those of you who may not know, this family is one of St. Louis's most wealthiest families, one of the most well-known families. And they had a tragic end to their run of success and starting within the St. Louis area uh, within the last century. And now, today, that brewery still stands in which they are so known for. And we actually have worked in a haunted attraction that we have also filmed in. That is Six Stories Underground, where as the ads say on the radio, where no one can hear you scream. Daisha, you have been the actor manager of this haunted house for how many years? Uh, I did it for two. I did and, the actor managing for two. And this is your first year not doing it, correct? Yeah, that's my first year of retirement. Okay, so before we get into the history, because y'all, look, Daisha came prepared. And we, we got some good stuff for y'all. How did you get into haunting? How did you get into the Limp Brewery Haunted House? What do you, how do you feel about it? Just tell us a little bit about that. So that's a long story. Um, my first haunted house I actually got into, I was a junior in high school out at Herculaneum and there was this old abandoned like Teamsters camp that we set up like a high school haunted house in, which essentially is they give you a gallon of blood and a bunch of old medical equipment. They're like, have fun, scare people. And I did it a couple nights and I fell in love with it. I was like, oh, you mean I can scream at people and they'll like pay me to like make them scream and be scared? Heck yeah, sign me up. So I did it then. Um, and I've always been into like the spookier, you know, horror realm. Like I, my mom is really into horror. I started watching horror movies with her when I was probably nine. Um, but I also am extremely into like Jim Henson and the Muppets and Dark Crystal and the Labyrinth. Oh, okay. So I didn't want to just scare people. I wanted to make the sets. I wanted to do the costuming and the makeup and get everybody ready. And so I started acting. That was fun. And it's always fun. But I wanted to do more. So I started doing like costume management and I started helping with makeup and I started watching YouTube videos and doing it at my own, you know, at my house and just getting everything ready for the haunt season. And then I realized that I had a lot more to offer. So I went for actor manager and I was like, I can help all these people do all these great, wonderful things that they want to do every year because I feel like everyone comes up with a million great ideas and realistically you can only do like 10 of those before haunt season. True. And so you get overwhelmed and then you're like, oh, I can't do this. And you feel defeated and then you just give up and you shouldn't give up. A lot of those characters that I hear people throw away over the years, they're great characters. And they just don't come to life because you don't give it the time it needs. Not you. Well, it does sound really nice. Like, I love your story, you know, but what you said, you're not an actor manager now, right? No, I, I did retire. Why? Why did you retire? Uh, it's I describe being an actor manager of Lemp specifically. It's like having 60 squirrels and they're all at a rave and some are on uppers and some are on downers and none of them are wearing their freaking leash harnesses. Okay. Like some are this way and some are that way. And everybody's talking to you at once. And I recently, um, got sober actually, and just quit drinking. 
And I feel like the haunt can make people do that. Where like we go out and we socialize and we normally go to the bar afterwards and limp has its history and it's in a brewery. And I do feel like that energy can seep into you as well. I just, I had to leave for my mental health between the stress of running it and not always being heard with the things that I'm trying to say. I'm just not going to speak to people who don't want to listen. I got you. I can definitely relate with that. I mean, sometimes you just need to take a break and remember what it was that brought you there in the first place. Exactly. All that stress, people yelling at you, telling you what you can and can't do. And then you got to reciprocate that to other actors that, let's be honest, they look crazy. Mm-hmm. You need to step back. So that's that's good. I'm, I'm happy for you. I think another thing, too, is like you said, like I, I forgot why I started doing this. I did this because I love scaring people and I love helping other haunt actors come to what they are. And I've lost that. So I want to take this year to do all the fun, spooky stuff that I've missed out on on the past 10 Octobers that I've worked at the Haunted House. Like, my best friend has a three-year-old. I don't get to carve pumpkins with her. I don't get to go trick-or-treating. Like, there's uh, this local St. Louis band called Ludo that does Halloween every year. I've missed that because I'm always at the Haunt. So it's time to take this year for me because October is my favorite time of year. So I'm excited to do all the fun stuff, but I think I'm still going to maybe come act a little bit at Scarefest because you know I love you guys. Yeah, I heard that. Say your soul. That's all it takes. You yep. It. <laughs> all you need is a couple nights. Yeah. Like it. Like you said, you had to leave for your mental health and things like that. We respect that 100% because if haunting becomes bad for your mental, this is something that's supposed to be fun. Like we work our day jobs and go do that because it's supposed to be relief. It's like a family. We have a good time with it. If it becomes anything less than that, then you do have to leave. So I respect that. Hopefully you come get a couple nights in the darkness. Oh, I'll come see you guys. For sure. I'm just saying. You you already know how I feel about my little batlings, my little lent babies. Like, I love my haunt actors, and they do have a very special place in my heart. Like, it it can't be replaced. I miss them constantly. But also, I need to do what's best for me because I've done what's best for everybody else for the last, like, 10 years in the haunted house. So it's time to do what's best for Daisha. And that's, that's what good. actor management is. Yep. You really – I don't think people don't realize it's, like, whether it be an actor manager, a section lead, you really aren't putting on for yourself no more. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are responsible for everybody, everybody. else. And once you know that they're good, once you know that they're having fun – then you can focus exactly. on yourself. And a lot of times it don't even be like that. A lot of times, nobody ever asks you like, hey, are you okay today? I would break down and cry if one of the actors <laughs> asked me if I was okay. Did yeah. I have enough to drink? Yeah. You know what? Give me a hug. Thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. I'm the kind of person that you hug me too hard. Like I will always cry. I'm always at that point. So I feel you. I feel that. Yeah. That's crazy. You just need to get back to that. Come on, Jalen. You can go ahead. You run the so, limp. I was so, I have a question for you. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> what would what would you say like, out of all the years you've been there, your favorite memory or like favorite, uh, like scare or like, do you have one of those? Oh, that... I gotta think. There's so many. Um, so probably my favorite. Some of my favorite years were. So you guys know I've worked at all of the Scarefest locations. Like right. I've done the the trifecta as we call it of Scarefest. I started at Creepy World for my first four years, and I started in Silo X as a zombie, actually, oh. which I find really funny because we have a very similar the hive. Yeah, because yeah, then I went to um, Terror Visions mm-hmm. out at Creepy World. 
and I'll be honest, Clown House at Creepy World is the most un- unhinged thing I've ever been in in my entire life. It's like they just really let the loonies out of the loony bin and had fun. And I worked there <laughs> with, um, you guys remember Ronnie? Ronnie Stocking? Yeah, shout out yeah. to Ronnie. Yeah, I love you. You're my favorite. But he really helped me break out of my shell of like, oh, I don't like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Like, because, you know, we all do the thing where you just make a haunt noise and you can do so much more than that as a clown. So he was like, say some stuff. Like, be be out of pocket like you can say literally whatever you want as a clown you're a clown so then i started to learn that i don't have to just make like my go-to zombie snarl i can say crazy unhinged things and it scares just as well if you do it in a creepy voice that's the one thing i told people the other day we had actor (laughs) training the other day and i told them look i promise you i dropped the entire line outside the darkness telling people what i ordered from waffle house It yeah. works. Yeah, it works. Especially being a clown. Like yes. y'all, Especially y'all could do that being outside. Being but being a clown, I would never forget when Dylan came up to me because like I said, I'm scary. Came up to me and was like, Oh, let me pee in your butt. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like I'm speechless. I didn't even know what to say. Let me pee in your butt. And they let it go. Like, it was so cool. Good. Like that. That's so good. Lost it. All I can think of is actually, so the 2018 year that I worked at Lemp, Ronnie was with me there too. And then um, a couple of the other Creepy World people had gone to Lemp because Dan Fapal had taken over and we all went to work for Dan because like we love Dan, you know, he's a great manager. He knows what he's doing and he can take care of a haunted house. So when we went there, um, I remember someone was just like, oh, we should just quote Vine all night. And I was like, nah, that's not funny. And then I did it in my like creepy, like witchy undead voice. And I was like, Oh, okay. We're going to do that. So I got several people with uh, free Shavakadu. I got several people Classic. with the, um, the I'm the wicked wiener thing where you just like cackle at people. Uh, and I think my favorite thing is to ask people, can I have your eyeballs? And they'll be like, what? Like they're tax deductible. Can I have your eyeballs for my goulash? And they're like, and they just keep walking. So, cause that's, we always talk about if you can't scare them, entertain them. Right. People paid exactly. for a show. So make them think. They go into the next scene and they're like, did that girl just ask me for my eyeballs? Like, are my eyeballs really tax deductible? Like, and it just keeps going and it makes you think. They're going to remember you when you leave the haunted house, though. And that's all that matters. That might be the one thing they remember that whole night. Yeah. Exactly. They get in the what car. What do you think of the haunted house? It was cool, but I don't know why that girl asked me to take <laughs> my eyeballs. Like, that's you have to Google about. search if they're really tax deductible now. That's exactly what it's about. <laughs> like, I, t- I promise you, I was asking people outside a couple years ago about earwax. That would really throw me <laughs> off, I feel like. That's exactly why I was asking. Because I'd be like, well, are you going to make a candle like Shrek? Or are you just going to, like, do you want to collect it? I was just it? telling people, let me get your earwax. <laughs> and, and honestly, it wasn't even in a character voice. Like, I walk up. You know, I play a pig from one of the Saw movies outside. So I walk up in that character. But then when I get up to a customer and I go... Hey, let me get your earwax. What? <laughs> they can't believe I just, they look at me like, did, did that just happen the whole time? I'm standing there very just straightforward. Like, no, I'm so serious. I'm trying to get some of your earwax. Wow. Speaking of That's the pics crazy. from Saw, are you excited for this new Saw movie I'm coming going, out? On premiere night. So I am. I'm definitely going. Gruesome, but good. It creeps me out. We got some weirdos. Saw's another one of the things that got me into wanting to work at a haunted house because the first movie they have that reverse bear trap that's on Amanda's head. And when I learned that that thing is actually made out of styrofoam 
and just like spray painted to look rusty. I was like, oh, was really? yes. I was like, no way. And that's when I started learning about props and, you know, like theatrical building, yeah. fixing animatronics. Like, because I mean, a lot of things in the haunted house are foam carved, mm-hmm. yeah. like styrofoam carved and just painted up to look way more legit than what it actually is say that until you run across one next thing you know you got this long cut on your i mean you definitely can still get <laughs> hurt Some stuff is metal and well, hurts. i used yeah, to mess no myself doubt. up all the time i've smacked into a lot of brick at my <laughs> too much brick you think it's styrofoam okay okay yeah we'll see feel like a looney tune that hanging body you ran into you thought it was soft you got an uppercut from a dead man oh the heads the hanging heads that left i have been knocked in the head so many times by those things and not only that, you add the moisture down, on, and, and please forgive me because I absolutely despise the word moist, moist. But I'm just saying, like the bodies that hang in the haunted house, and they just stay you there, get wet all you year don't round. Like it being moist. It, it's moist. Oh, darn it, you said I don't like moist. the word moist. Stop <laughs> messing with me. It's so it's the just, word it's moist. Just a moist right? yeah. Man, I'm look. So the worst moist thing I mean, down in left is actually those like hanging. Something. They're supposed to look like alien pod sacks. A limp? Yeah, but they're basically just made of sponge. Mm-mm. So you could literally uh, go up to it and go, I do, yeah. and it would just drip oh, that's water. Nasty. It's real nasty. That's another reason I had to leave. About it. I'm allergic to mold. Like, actually allergic to mold. Can't take it. Can't take penicillin. Yeah. How did you survive there? Uh, lots of recovery afterwards. She like a I month <laughs> of Theraflu and cough drops and NyQuil, DayQuil, just being like. I mean, when we filmed in there a couple of weeks ago. Like, it, just to push through was, each, the curtains, everything was ooh, wet. Give me PTSD like, over here. We had to keep commenting on it because it was that real. Like You can hear pearls, it. It smells. Like, when they slap back, you can hear, like, the, the like, slap I back. can't even make the noise. But <laughs> it's moist. It it's is. And then the yeah. in between, um, when you guys were doing your walkthrough on the last episode, before you go into the Diablo room, yeah. that puddle of water is there year-round. Oh, for real? It is never dry. It's always there what's the diablo room the one with the big with the sacrifice okay i got you when y'all say diablo i think of the one creature or one little at darkness darkness, the the one that moves when you ain't nobody looking darkness got a couple uh, i forgot about that the possessed things out there is that the one that's like Banded yeah, against yeah. the gu- yeah, I've heard about that one. Walk through by yourself. You're looking at you. That's gonna be a hard pass for me, ma'am. <laughs> well, y'all just kind of brought us into what we really want to get into, and talking about the Limp Brewery haunted house. I think a lot of people just hear about the brewery itself, and they don't think about the mansion that is right across the street. They don't think about how this mansion is connected to that brewery they don't think about the caves they don't think yeah about literally connected exactly so deja what can you tell us about this historic family and this historic curse that makes this one of the most iconic ghost stories out there so i've done a lot of research actually on this um i brought my two books that i did most of my research with and i don't necessarily think it was a curse i think it was just extremely bad luck um a lot of things that people forget about lemp is that you know yeah the brewery is attached to it but the mansion did have a lot of history that's gone into it that you don't even really get to see when you go through the haunted house um i think the biggest thing is recently a couple years ago one of the buildings collapsed and i actually brought one of the lemp bricks with me 
Um, when that happened, it did kind of affect the rest of the buildings to the point where you hear creaks and noises and stuff that like you can't really place where they come from. Um, between working there, I would like to say that I'm probably on a first name basis with all of the lump ghosts. We've had our fair share of experiences down there. Look at our deep. So you like you've have you seen like actually full body apparitions? Um, I've seen the shadow, the big shadow figure that everyone talks about. There's two of them. One of them, it really depends on what you feel when you see him. If you feel one of them where it's like very mean, um, like you're not supposed to be here, that's Charles. If you feel one where it's more just like making sure that you're not messing with the house, that's uh, William Sr. He just wants respect for his home and his mansion and what he's built. Yeah, we talking. No, no. I mean, you I tell Charles to names? leave me alone. You know first names of these ghosts? Yeah. Right. Go work in Limp. Hell no. <laughs> a lot of people say that, actually. Uh, I feel like that's why Limp doesn't get as many actors is because people know it's haunted. And that's that's the one real pain about being an actor manager at Limp that no one warns you about is you're going to get people come up to you and go, hey, uh, I can't be in this scene anymore. And you're like, why? And they're like, there's a ghost in there. And you have to look at them and go, no, there's not even though you totally believe there's a ghost in there and you're right. probably pretty sure that there is a ghost in there. You just be right. like, no, you're crazy. You're just, you're just, it's messing with you. You're underground. Your body equilibrium is thrown off. If I had a dollar for every time that I've told someone that like, no, it's just cause you're underground and your body equilibrium's thrown off. Cause we're not supposed to like. You an actor and a liar? I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to work with the ghost. You gotta keep him in the house. You gotta keep him in the building. That goes back to Yerdy. That's some white people stuff. Oh my God. No. Mm -mm. Uh, I mean, the fair share of the actors at Lamp really, really do be embodying like the white girl that goes into the woods first and are like, oh, let me go see where the killer is. I mean, I won't lie. Like, I worked a couple of nights down there. Outside, <clears throat> though, right? I worked outside, but outside. I definitely Clarification. went in. I went in to the top of the staircase. I didn't go all the way down. <laughs> right, exactly. I didn't go all the way down. You've exactly. never done the darkness walkthroughs that sometimes well, you guys... I've walked through it just to say that I've been to the limp. Were well, you talking about working there? I worked, you out your mind? I worked one night down there. It, uh, it was cool, but uh, it was like, I think it was like 20, 2019, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but it was like, uh, I think it was just, I'm trying to remember why I was working. I, it was one of the special event nights. That's why, because. Uh, oh, was it Trans World? It might have been Trans World. I think World, it might have yeah. been Trans World. Yeah. yeah, but it was cool. I mean, but I didn't really. You didn't experience it, nothing? It was kind of creepy, too, That's at the same thing. time. I ain't like you. So you like... didn't feel uneasy? <laughs> no, I, I That's crazy, because I felt yeah. very uneasy when I left. Every time I'm there, I feel uneasy. It's a. The actor room, so what used to be the old actor costume room, um, it's no longer that anymore because it's unsafe after the building collapsed and, like, the yucky plumbing, plumbing kind of ran through. Like, we can't be in there. But the first time I ever went to Limp, I went with Michelle Hall, like, Mama Michelle. Shout out to Mama yeah, Michelle. shout out to Michelle. I learned a lot from her. I went there. We went into the actor room, and I remember basically just walking in, and she looked at me, and she's like, don't go in there. I was like, okay, like, why am I not supposed to go in there? And she's like, Charles doesn't like you. Like, what do you mean Charles doesn't like? Like, who's Charles? This is before I knew anything about Limp. I was still at Creepy World. Right. And she, like, yells at him. She's like, Charles, leave him alone. She's with me. Because Charles is afraid of Mama Michelle. Because Mama Michelle does not take any crap from anyone, this this realm or otherwise. How long ago was this? Oh, 20, I'm trying to think, 2017? 
So that's when you came over from Creepy World. I was, well, she took over Creepy World in 2017 because Dan Fapow was going to take over, but he got, um, I believe, like a big job that he oh, had to okay. do somewhere else. Right. And so he couldn't run it. So Mama Michelle ran it. And then the year after that, he took over Dar- uh, Lem. Makes sense. And then that's when I started having my experiences, like my own experiences, because I was down there for four to six hours a night in a scare box or in whatever scene I was in, roaming right. the haunt. And at first I didn't believe in it. I was like, oh, whatever. Lent ghosts, okay. Every, everywhere's haunted, right, in St. Louis. Everywhere's got a ghost story. And then I started seeing things, and I started hearing things, and I started feeling things. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe they're real. And that's why I started researching the history and looking into it, because I'm a person who wants to know why. I'm a person. I, I get way too curious about things, and then I have to go do some self-research just so I can learn a little bit. It's a rabbit hole. Let me tell you, it is a rabbit hole. What's the tip of it? I don't think Elsa Lemp killed herself. Hot take. I think her husband did it. And I think that he used his powerful money and powerful friends to cover it up. So explain a little bit of who these people are. Okay. Let me grab my notes real quick. Because I can't remember everything. Because Deja came prepared. I did come prepared. I brought a map of the actual Lemp haunted house too. So you guys can uh, look at that if you want and see what's going Definitely. on. Definitely. So the Lemp story actually starts back in 1836. That's when Johann Adam Lemp came to America from Germany, and he was in Cincinnati until 1838 when he finally landed in St. Louis. Okay. So he was married before he came over to America, and he had two children, uh, Wilhelm, which he later changed his name to William Jacob Lemp Sr. when he came over to America because at that time... Um, we weren't really, we didn't really like the Germans still. St. Louis was very populated by the French at that time. So there was a lot of disdain. So he changed it to William for it to be a little bit more socially acceptable. Um, he, Adam Lemp, had set up a small grocer at the corner of 6th and Morgan. And he was offering, you know, just like regular goods, sugar. I don't, I don't honestly know what they were like, what people were buying at the time. But the main thing was that he started selling his lager. So German lager had not been really introduced into America yet, and he had learned how to make it when he worked at a brewery in Germany. He decided to start selling this, and soon after he started selling it, it grew immensely in popularity because all that was available was, like, English ales, which a lager is considered, like, it's lighter in color and it's lighter in taste compared to the very dark ales of the time that people were making. Gotcha. So he decided to close his grocery and he opened a brewery, which the original brewery was actually located where the arch grounds are. That I didn't know. That's, yeah. I didn't know that's that either until I, I started that learning all this. was the original property. Okay. Shortly after he opened that location, um, it, business started booming and he needed to find a bigger way to store his lager. Because the big thing about lager is it has to be stored in dark, cool temperatures for a very long period of time. So he's walking around St. Louis. And somehow he stumbles upon the Cherokee caves at the corner of Cherokee and DeMille Place. He finds these caves, does a little exploring, and goes, oh, if I take ice from the Merrimack over by where the brewery is, and I put it in these caves, it'll keep the temperature where I need it to be. Because there's no refrigeration back in 18, you know, the 1830s. Right. So um, he is contributed to being the first to manufacture German lager beer in America. And he won the first prize in the St. Louis Fair in 1858. And he is called the father of modern brewing. Brewing. Sorry, I said that wrong. I just realized that. Yeah, Mr. Charles won't get you. I know. Actually, he might. He might. He's all about respect. But he brings his oldest son, Wilhelm William Jacob Lemp, to America in 1848. And the reason that I think this is kind of a big deal is William was 12 
and he came here alone from Germany to America on a boat back in the 1830s by himself. That's got to be like a very intimidating and scary thing for a 12-year-old to deal with. So I feel like he might have already had a little bit of trauma before he got here and everything started getting to him. Now, William did serve in the, she served in the Union during the Civil War, and he married Julia uh, Feckert, and they, um, the Lent Mansion was originally her parents' house. So when they passed away, they gave it over to William and Julia. A year later, his dad passed away, Adam Lemp passes away, and he leaves everything to Willem and his cousin, Charles. So when they get everything, they form a partnership called the William J. Lemp & Co. in 1864. William buys Charles out for $3,000 a few months later, and that's when he begins building his brewery empire. And that's when it starts to get a little bit more to what people are familiar with with the Lemp history now. Because I feel like, like I didn't know who Johann Adam Lemp was at first mm-hmm. until I started doing my research. No, like I knew they were originally from Germany, mm-hmm. but that's all I knew. I didn't realize <laughs> that there were name changes and that they inherited a lot of that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, had, I had no idea. I thought it started from probably where we are now in the story. That's, that's about where I assumed it had started yeah. too when I first started working at Lemp. So they had eight kids. Um, that make it past childbirth. They did have um, one child that didn't make it. I couldn't find much information about that child. Mm. Um, but I feel like it still deserves to be talked about. So four of the Lemp kids lived totally normal, happy lives. Like make it to adulthood, die in their 70s. Um, and then four of them, on the other hand, we know about those four. They do not. Those are the ones that I feel like are glamorized because who wants to talk about people living happy, normal lives? <laughs> so they have Anna Laura Lemp. She was born May 27th, 1865. She's a Gemini. Then we have William Billy Jacob Lemp Jr. He was born August 19th, 1867. He's a Virgo. We have Louis Lemp. He was born November 1st. Or I'm sorry, November. Yeah, November 1st, 1870. He's a Capricorn. Then we have Charles Adam Lemp, who is probably my least favorite Lemp to talk about because he's kind of mean. And he was born December 30th, 1871. He's a Capricorn. Then we have Frederick Freddie Lemp, who was born November 20th, 1873, to Scorpio. And then Hilda May Thanelsda Lemp, who shares the same birthday as her brother Freddie. So they're, she's also born 1120, but in 1875, also a Scorpio. Oh, okay. And then Edwin Alvin Lemp, he was born 828 in 1880. He's a Virgo. And then we have Elsa Justine Lemp. She was born February 8th of 1883, and she's an Aquarius. And I only say they're astrological signs because I'm witchy, and I believe that, like, some of that pertains to who you become as a human. I know it's woo-woo, but whatever. It it definitely could. Like, we only know as much as we experience now. Who knows? When I tell people I'm a cancer, people mess with me because they say I cry all the time. I cried in, like, a year and a half. Baby. What are you a cancer? Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See? Look, yeah. See? Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> what I mean, okay, so we are at the eight children, right? Yes. And at this point, the brewery is now starting to get constructed. Is that where we are? So kind of. Um, the brewery has already been constructed. It really comes into its big fruition when Billy gets claim of it. Um, cause he started building, I'll get to like all the first that he had Lemp do. Like Lemp was the first brewery to have its own railroad. 
that went from coast to coast. One of the first breweries to be delivered by Aeroplane. So he really kind of took his father's vision and just ran with it and turned it into what it was. Okay. But I am going to talk about, I'm not going to necessarily go in order. I did kind of jump around between like the lumps that have a happy lifetime and then the lumps that end not so happily so that we had a nice little, a little balance. However you want to run it, you, you got the facts. We're learning from you. I'm scared. Well, this one's not scary. This one's Anna. So Anna Laura Lemp, she was married twice. She was first married to Henry Julius Meyer, and it seemed to be an extremely unhappy marriage from the beginning. They just didn't, it didn't work. Um, Her husband admitted to having someone give false testimony, saying that she was stepping out on her wifely duties of the time with another man. I personally think after my research, he just wanted her money. So they divorced, and two years later, she married Alexander Conta, And she was a well-known published writer, which was unheard of at the time for a woman, honestly. Like, she wrote a cookbook. She wrote a history book about French literature that is still used in colleges to this day. And she passed away on 819 of 1839. She lived a pretty happy, normal life with her husband after the first one. So then we jump to Freddie, Frederick Freddie William Lemp. And he was known as the favorite of the Lemp children. He began to have health issues as he got older and it was downplayed to be too much work at the brewery, but he got worse and he left for California and it seemed to be getting better. But about two months later, he passed from heart complications in December of 1901. And so this is kind of where the Lemp saga, I feel like kicks off because after Freddie's passing, William Lemp senior fell into an extreme depression and it's believed because it was his favorite son had passed. And it was because of natural causes, but I think that it caused a little... That was his baby. Yeah, yeah. that was his, his baby, yeah. his favorite. So he spent a lot of time with his best friend, um, Captain Frederick Pabst of Pabst Brewing. But he passed shortly after that in January 1st of 1903. So it's believed that these were too much, like the loss was too much for William to bear. And he killed himself very shortly on the morning of December 13th, 1904. And a little known fact... The police report states that there were actually two other bullet holes in the wardrobe where he killed himself. So people believe that it might have been practice shots or maybe his nerves. I have personally never shot a gun in my life. So, but it's, I know that it can be like the triggers can kind of be touchy. So maybe he like was shaking and it shot. He missed. Yeah. Okay. So he missed the first two times and then he did shoot himself in the head. Um, He was just contemplating. He's like, bro, I want to do this. I want to do this. He did it. And that's what people wonder is maybe he was he was second guessing or he just had nerves and then he just made his decision. Or or do you think something? Or mm. yeah, do you think something made him do it? Like you know, like like something down and something like possessed him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't. Because that's a, I know that's a theory like that people have said like, do you believe like it was like Cherokee Indians that made them go crazy and like, uh, I'm just asking. I mean, I think he just was really sad. Yeah. I think he was just really depressed of losing his son, like his favorite son. Which Jesus, you just said f the mother kids. I well, and that's what kind of was my thought. I was like, you have seven other children to Damn. raise and take care of. Like, how are you going to? Like, I have kids. You know, I'm not. I couldn't imagine leaving, like taking myself out of here and leaving them alone like that. Like that's just, yeah. so I yeah, wonder that's, if that's maybe he dark. was just so sad he couldn't think straight. 
because he was a great businessman. Like he seemed to be a man of logic from all of my research. So but that's what makes this story so interesting is the fact that like they were so wealthy. They really didn't have much to worry about. You know, you said one of them passed of health complications. That's a health complication. Like that, you know, it is what it is at that standpoint, especially at that time. What I think the moral of all of this is, is that money can't buy happiness. No, it really that's can't. Really, that's like, Anybody that's really problems. what I think. It causes that issues. Causes like, problems. And I really feel like, I feel like this family got way too wealthy. Not way too fast, but they inherited a lot of it. The, the world is theirs. Like, they can do whatever they want. They have all this money. And then when real life creeps in, real life situations and things like that, they haven't had any teachers. They haven't had any experiences with that because everything was there. Just given to them. Exactly. And I kind of feel like that's probably what what started the downfall. I feel like it can because I'm a firm believer in money. Money doesn't buy you happiness to the point where you have money to live comfortably inside your means. Like if I'm making six figures a year. I have a nice house. I have a nice car. I can buy groceries. I can pay all my bills on time. No, money is not going to buy me happiness at that point. But I do think that once you get, we always say everything in moderation, you need right. too much of a good thing. I think it did become overwhelming because they're considered the Hiltons of their time. Right. Like they had a huge empire in St. Louis only compared to, I mean, second to Anheuser-Busch, who is still running today and is probably one of the biggest breweries in America almost. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, at that time, they were the family. Like, they were, other than Anheuser-Busch, because they were, they were around at that point, weren't they? Yeah, I've read a lot I was about. I say, they had to be A lot about the Bushes, point. actually. I'm sure they were probably competing, too. A lot yes. It was time. a very tough competition in St. Louis as well, from what I've read. So, I think, I do think that the money had something to play with it as well. I read somewhere... And I don't know if I read it or if it was in a Limp Haunted House promo, something like that. But I did read that the Limps used to use those tunnels to go to work. Yes. Instead of walking down the street mm -hmm. because they knew that they were famous. They didn't want to be seen by anybody. They mm -hmm. wanted to be able to go to work and go home comfortably without having to experience any of that. I may sound crazy when I say this, but that could even be a play on why things had such a downfall because you can't even walk down the street you hear pe famous people talk about it all the time today where they're like man i wish i could go back to where i can go in the grocery store and nobody recognizes me and i can just do what i'm gonna do i think that too st louis at the time was a pretty small town right. imagine everyone in that town knowing who you are wanting yeah. to talk to you wanting to see what you're doing wanting to see what your wife's wearing what your husband's wearing when's your next party I, that I feel overwhelmed just saying that sentence. Like yeah, I wouldn't I want all those many that. people in my business. That was probably a wild time. Mm -mm. So then uh, the next one I want to talk about is Hilda May Thinsnelda Lemp. She uh, actually married Gustav Pabst. She lived a pretty normal long life. Um, there's not really much that was said about her from what I could find. Cause she did just live a very normal, regular life. Um, and she passed away in, um, July 8th of 18 or 1951. Sorry. So this is where it starts to get a little darker. I'm going to talk about William Billy Jacob Lemp and I am going to junior. I am going to call him Billy just so we can keep the names different from William senior. Um, he became the president after his father passed away and he married Lily May Lillian Hanlon Lillian or better known as the lavender lady of Lemp. 
um, sued him, sued the crap out of him, actually, in one of the biggest divorce cases in St. Louis history at the time. She accused him of beating her and said that he neglected their son proper religious schooling, seeing as she was a Roman Catholic and he was agnostic, which was a big deal at the time as well. Um, I grew up in a Roman Catholic family, and I cannot imagine how my grandma would have felt like with someone who was agnostic and not allowing like my mom and my aunts to be raised under the like how you learn Catholicism. So I can understand where her frustration probably came with with that. But you knew he was agnostic before you married him. So he said that she had a terrible temper. And many, many workers in the house attested to this. They said that she would fly off the handle. She would throw things. She was known to yell. Deja vu. Who just went through that? Johnny Depp. Oh. <laughs> like, wait, wait. Yeah, what Johnny are you talking Depp about? Oh. We love Johnny Depp. I never doubted that man for a crazy. moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was in her eyes. Look at her eyes. It was definitely in eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Look in the eyes. But sadly, even though Lillian was kind of um, a little crazy, she ended up winning. And she was awarded $6,000 a year in alimony. She was unsatisfied with this amount and ended up going to the Missouri Supreme Court and was awarded in a lump sum of $100,000. Shortly after that, Bailey married Ellie Kohler Lindbergh. In 1915, Lent became the second largest brewer only to Anheuser-Busch. But in 1920, Prohibition hit. And that really hit all of the breweries in St. Louis. They tried really hard to keep up. It kind of became a problem. You know, nowadays we have a lot of non-alcoholic options, and that's a very popular thing. Well, back then it was not. So they tried to keep up by making what was called, like, near beer, which had everything but the alcohol fermentation in it. I think beer tastes disgusting to begin with, so I can't imagine what it would taste like without the alcohol. Yeah, it's just, it's gross. I still prefer to have a beer. (laughs) Cider. Exactly. I wish I could have tasted a limp beer. Just, just for the fact that, like, the history, the history behind, behind it. it. Yeah. I definitely, if Limp was, I definitely would get a case of Limp beer. You can find Falstaff beer on eBay. I would because it, it is Falstaff. Now, yeah, Falstaff right? is the name. That okay. well, that was always the name. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. But we'll get to how it kind of because it did die off after Prohibition, which I'm just about to jump into, and then it did have like a a resurgence of sorts, I suppose, is what you'd call that. But after Prohibition hit, Billy kind of did sink into a depression, and he didn't think he was ever going to be able to bring his brewery back from what it was. So he sold the brewery and fall staff name for $25,000 to Alvin, I think it's Gristig? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct. He also sold the Great Lemp Brewing Plant in 1922 at a public auction. This included 18 buildings, heavy construction, a power plant, rare shipping facilities, railroad sidings, vacant property, adjoining buildings, build to suit. Five companies bought that property, and the International Shoe Company actually took the majority of the buildings, which you can still see on the side of Lemp today where it says International Shoe Co. So shortly after all this happened, on December 29th of 1922, Billy shot himself in his home in the office in the, in, in his chest. Um. Falstaff was the first to do a lot of things, actually. It was the first bottled beer to be delivered by aeroplane, like I talked about earlier. There's actually newspaper clippings from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I believe, in the book The Haunting and History of Lemp Mansion. 
And it talks about how cases were delivered to France and Germany and to royalty. And it was a really big deal at the time. They were also the first to introduce German lager beer to America, allegedly. I will say allegedly. Um, first to add refrigeration, which was a big deal at the time, too, because Lemp decided that he was just going to let a bunch of um, like researchers and engineers and like scientists basically go, hey, I want refrigeration in the brewery. Do whatever you're going to do. I'll pay you for it. And he was the first one to get decent refrigeration in his brewery. Um, they were the first to build a pipeline from the brewing facility to the bottling plant with actual pipes. Instead of having to roll and deliver these cases from point A to point B, they just built a pipe system so they could run it directly. Um, it was the first to have its own railroad in the brewing industry. And small little fun fact, because I love the Titanic and, you know, it was recently just in the news. Several cases of Lemp beer went down with the Titanic. That's crazy. I did not know that. That's wild. I'm going to lie. That's wild. Elsa Lemp was going to be aboard the Titanic until she found out that first class tickets were sold out and she decided against it. So she was like on some. She wanted to be in first right, class. Right, right. Like I'm, I, I have to be in first class. Right. Like, which she I get at the time, you know. Technically, first class people yeah. lived. Man, look. Yeah, most of the first class women and children absolutely lived. They were the the first, so. I feel like for some reason, out of all the facts that you have told us, that's the one that's going to stick with me when we get done. That was my favorite fact. That's crazy. I love the Titanic. It's another thing in history that I've always found fascinating. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh, it's like my two favorite things like came together for me. Got to put it on the list. Have you been to the Titanic Museum? In, in it's Branson? Branson. Is it Branson? Yes. I have yeah, not. A long I time to go. ago. I it looks been recent. Yeah, I just like putting my hand time. in the cold water and see how long I can I saw that and it there. looks so cool. Yeah, it hurts. It, oh, it, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, you know what? I didn't think about that. It's the temperature of the water that they died in. Yeah, so it's supposed to be You're supposed actual. to put it in there and see how long you can hold it in there, but it's essentially basically cutting your circulation off, trying to freeze your hand off. Young kids, you didn't oh, care no. about that. No mom was like, get your hand out of All right, I'll get my head up. I just want to know. No, it's a good, it's a good museum. Yeah, I think it looks really cool. I've again, I've always been fascinated with Titanic. I have a heart of the ocean necklace because I'm. No, I haven't been. So when you get there, they give you a little card, so you're that person through the museum. So at the end, though, you get to find out if you die or not. Oh, I love that. I don't know if it's because I'm black, but I died. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, buddy. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie to y'all, man. I feel like, and because we, the last. Like 16 minutes, this could be Titanic talks. So <laughs> we can go right into it. All I'm saying is, I feel like the Titanic, 110% a horror movie that was not intended to be a horror movie. That's all I'm saying. I mean, that movie is a horror movie. We could do a whole episode on it. Kind of. The Titanic was just a bunch of rich white guys not listening to what they were being told by the minorities. It so to it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> Man, look. She said terrifying they told them it was gonna sing they told them they didn't have enough lifeboats and they were like no it's like a luxury cruise line and they're like okay nick white wouldn't have been on there (laughs) (laughs) it also would not have been on there i got a question there do you think it could have been preventable too the titanic yeah yeah if someone would have just freaking listened i think so too i absolutely think so they could look at how big that boat was you're telling me there wasn't enough room for all them lifeboats to save all those people come on you just wanted it to look pretty that's it we Yikes. see what happens when things look pretty. They sink to the bottom of the Atlantic. I don't sink. I 
I would like to think I might float. I don't think I could swim that long, honestly. I had to think about it. You'll float too. You'll float too. You really, you had to hit me with that. I really miss the haunted house, man. Come back. I I can't be like, oh, just joke. I can't, I can't pull a yearity. I can't go retirement. Oh, just kidding. You can pull it. Retirement. Oh, just kidding. You already retired about six times. (laughs) And he keeps coming back. So I'm going to talk about Elsa Justine Lemp next. She's the youngest of the Lemp children. She had a prize-winning horse named Odds Fish, which I just thought was kind of neat. She married Thomas Wright in, I'm sorry, my brain just shut down for a second, April 12th of 1910. And it was a horrible, horrible, terrible marriage. Never, never a good day. Um, Elsa also suffered from a miscarriage very early in her marriage and was prescribed lanidum, which its main ingredient is opium. So I'm going to assume that she probably wasn't doing so well mentally after taking that like mm. a lot. Um, she filed for divorce in February 1st of 1919. And then they actually were married like a month later on March 8th of 1920. So on March 20th of 1920, Elsa Lemp shot herself in her home at 13 Hortense place. And I'd say shot herself because after doing my research, I think her husband did it. I think Thomas Wright killed her and framed it to look like a suicide because he wanted her inheritance money that she had just recently gotten from her father dying because each kid got $100,000. And that's a lot of money back then. Yeah, that's a whole lot of money back then. Are you killing somebody for No. <laughs> I think, and I have a couple points for this. So he told one maid that he did something so terrible he couldn't tell them. He admitted to the police that he picked up the gun that was he said was by Elsa and then, I guess, unconsciously set it somewhere else in the room. Um, he called his lawyer hours after she had died. And six men who swore that they viewed the body of Elsa Lemp signed a blank coroner statement. I have listened to a lot of true crime podcasts, and I love true crime shows. I do too. Nobody signs a blank coroner's report. That's like sign A that this was set up. To me. It does sound like a setup. I don't think she did it. There are some other little things I have for this. Thomas stated that he didn't know Elsa owned a gun. Then he said that he knew she had a gun for burglars and, like, degenerates that used to walk around the area. He also said that he saw blood on her chest wound, and in the coroner's report, there is no blood to be stated on the front of her chest. There is also a maid who said she heard a shot and ran to the room, and then in the four hours of insanely crazy questioning that was done by the police at the time it just disappears from the official testimony like it's mentioned very briefly and then it's not in the official testimony um thomas claims he heard the shot at 805 but did not call for help until 8 30 so my question is what are you doing while your beloved wife lay dying that you loved her so much you had to get divorced with her or get divorced and then get remarried like a month later mm. 25 minutes yeah that's a lot of time yeah it's a lot of time Um, he also makes it sound like he called for help immediately to the police when they come. And we obviously from the fact before know that that's not true. And many, many, many workers in the home state that it's not true as well. And the bullet placement on Elsa Lemp makes it extremely improbable to shoot oneself a la Kurt Cobain. The bullet was supposedly shot from like up here at this angle and went through. Now I, again, have never shot a gun in my life, but I know they're loud. So I can't imagine trying to kill oneself with a gun up here by your head and it immediately going off by your ear. So I just think it's extremely, extremely improbable that Elsa Lump killed herself. I think her husband did it and tried to get the money. So now we're going to get to um, 
Mr. Mans, Charles Adam Lemp. Charles. Charles. Charles and I have a very interesting history with each other. It's a mutual respect, and I just want him to stay away from me. Like, uh, Phil. Yeah, that, that's about it, actually. He was interested in politics and not doing the brewing business. He really wanted to be into politics, and he had no children ever. He left the brewing company in 1917 to become the president or the vice president of the German Savings Institution. And when cars became the main form of transportation, he became the president of the Indemnity Company of America. And they basically did like early car accident insurance is from what I could gather. The primary, he was also the primary owner of the East St. Louis, Columbia and Waterloo electric line until it closed in 19, near 1932. He was a collector of the arts and he traveled extensively. And at the time of his death, he was worth an estimated 3.2 million. And I did the math. That's about 65 mil in today's worth. Dang. Damn. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, in, eight, or in 1928, he restored the mansion, and he moved back home in 1929. He had stayed um, at basically a country club for a couple years before that, and that's just where he stayed to get away from the family and get into politics. He suffered from arthritis and dementia and was an extreme germaphobe in his later years when he moved back home. He also had a Doberman pincher named Serva, and we'll get back to Serva here in a second. It's believed that Charles shot himself on the morning of May 9th, 1949, and he shot himself in his left ear, and he is the only limp to leave a suicide note. And I have what the suicide note states, and it says, in case I am found dead, blame no one but me. Signed, C-H-A Lemp. There was also a note found by servants that I found in this book that says that he did leave a note saying that he shot his dog before he shot himself, which is one of the big mysteries and myths of Lemp. So from what I have gathered in my research, he did kill his dog before he killed himself because he didn't want his dog to be there alone. I have animals. I don't think, I, my cat, I have cats. Do you know cats eat a human? Like they're more likely to eat a human than a dog if you die in your own home. I would not kill my babies yeah. before I killed yeah. myself. I'd open the back door and let them go. Yeah, that's they do. They do. Dogs will wait until there's nothing left in the house. Cats will eat you first. Oh, hell no. That's why I ain't got no cats. All right. Noted. Thank you. And then small little fun fact, because I love Vincent Price. He's a St. Louis native. Him and Charles were actually really good friends. And Vincent Price visited the mansion a lot, had a lot of dinners there. He was very well known to just hang out at the mansion, which he's he's actually a really cool native i did a little research on him while i was doing this and he had um like his dad owned the international candy company and so i think it's really cool because he's in edward scissorhands like making little candy hearts and stuff and now i know that he actually probably knew how to do that in real life right just neat i like vincent price i think he's cool and then we're gonna get to the very last sibling so this is edwin alvin lemp he never married and he built this place called Crag World in Kirkwood that it is privately owned now, so there is no access to it. But I think from the map I looked at online, you could see it from the road. Um, he hosted extravagant dinner parties that were talked about with, by everyone. He had a German chef who knew how to cook dishes from other countries that people couldn't even pronounce. So it was a very elaborate thing to do back then. Um, he used Crag World as an exotic animal farm and a licensed federal game farm. And he was a member of the St. Louis Zoological Board of Control. And he's actually the reason that St. Louis Zoo got its first lions. Because That's he thought true. they were cool, I think. And he just oh, decided we needed lions. Um, he died on November 30th of 1970 in his home, very happy. 
He was known to keep what they called back then a companion, which was basically like a buddy that hung out with you all the time because he was afraid of, I think, falling into the same thing that his siblings had fallen into, like being alone and just killing oneself. So his last request when he died was that his caretaker, John Bopp, burn all remaining Lemp ledgers of family history, diaries, and documents. And he did that. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah some, some <laughs> sketchy. So what do you think about that, Jalen? I feel that, like you. That, that's not sketchy to me. Definitely. That you don't burn documents unless you got yeah. something to hide, man. Right. That's all I could think. I just feel like the history behind this family. We know so much, but we know so little. And it's stuff we'll never find now. And it's stuff we'll never find out, especially. In closing with the burning documents, that's probably where those those uh, those gray areas that we want to find out mm-hmm. is probably on those documents. Right, because there's a lot of mysteries and myths of Lemp of, um, you know, everyone's heard of Zeke the monkey-faced boy, which is... Yeah, I did yeah. hear about that. So I personally have had experiences with children ghosts at Lemp. I think it's because Lemp was a a boarding house from 1950 to 1975 before the Pointer family bought it and turned it into what it is now. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of things that we just don't know about again, because there's no history. Boarding houses are not places of happiness and wonderfulness. It's normally not a great place to be. I do think that the myth of Zeke, the monkey face boy, which was supposedly an illegitimate child of one of the Lemps who had Down syndrome, which is why he was called the monkey-faced boy. I think it is more likely, after reading this book and reading um, Rebecca Pittman's point of view, isn't it a little more likely that like a seven or nine-year-old little boy went up to the top of the lamp house and at the mirror and was like pressing his face to the window to see what the servants were doing or to see what like, to scare the people on the street to look crazy? That seems a little more likely to me than like an illegitimate child that there's no history that I could find. Honestly, I agree with that because why would there not be any history, any, not even necessarily a backstory, but any information behind that? Now at Bellefontaine Cemetery, that's where all the lemps are buried in their lemp mausoleum. And it's actually um, the biggest one that's there. There is a small spot. So in the mausoleum wall, there's like three here and then there's like four here and then there's like here. There's one blank space up in the corner that people do think that if it could be anyone it could be Zeke up there and he's just unnamed Interesting. I don't know I really after doing my research I think that the kids spirits are from the boarding house days or maybe some poor little kids who just fell down like you know like how Lassie Timmy's down the well again some kid just I don't want to know that much (laughs) we're not on that uh, kind of a close basis like an EVP (laughs) session like, hey, hey, you, kid, come here. It's part of the reason I, I part of the reason I left is because I was sick of dealing with the spirits and the ghosts. Me and Charles are not friends. Been in the first place. I know it was very white people Ooh. of me to go into the haunted, haunted so house. What she's saying was <laughs> the stress of being a manager wasn't the problem. It was the ghost that was kicking her in the butt. No, it's really the lamp yeah. ghost. It really <laughs> is the lamp ghost. And then the Cherokee caves. I did want to talk about these for just a minute. So the lamps built a theater down there, a heated swimming pool. And a ballroom, which is actually, I think, the room off to the right-hand side when you first go down the staircase. That big, empty room. Uh, okay. I think that's their ballroom. Meaning where the actor area is Yes. Now? 
Yes, like the stairs, when you're exiting Lemp and you come up those big stairs, I think that the one that's right off to the right-hand side, not the one that all the maintenance man stuff is in, the one that's just the big empty room, I think that's what used to be their ballroom. And I know where the swimming pool and the bowling alley is because I've been down there. Is it close to where the attraction is or is it at a different point? It's in a completely different point. Um, There's an episode of Ghost Adventures where they go to this green door that has a lock on it. And I've been behind that they green were able door. To get in there, though. Now, this was millions of years ago, and I obviously did not go by myself. I wasn't just being a treacherous little haunt kid. Um, I'm not going to speak about anyone else that was with me because I ain't a snitch. Mm. But the caves <laughs> eventually branch off into three ways after that green door. There's one way where it's completely closed off because of the cave-in from Building 55. There's another way where you basically need scuba gear to go any farther because there's water and you just can't keep going. And then the other way, you will eventually die because it's just full of carbon monoxide and there's no air. Wow. Or carbon so which, dioxide, sorry. Do we know which, uh, like which pathway connects to the mansion? I don't know. I did learn that all of the pathways that have like those big spiral staircases are how the lamps got in and out of the caves to the city. So anywhere you see a spiral staircase, I would assume there's a way to get to the top. And that's the main pass that they were doing. And I would also assume it's probably the path that got closed by 55. Probably. With the building of 55. The that yeah. closed a lot of that stuff in. I'm actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure it is the one that got, like, caved in when they built 55. That's crazy. I don't know. Well, y'all, we got about a minute and a half left. Any last-minute thoughts? Any last-minute things y'all want to share about the Lint family history, the haunt, anything? Throw it out there now. Desha, we appreciate you for doing this with us. Thank you. Appreciate it's you for coming on. an honor to be on here. I'm so excited. When you guys first told me about your podcast, you know, I was like, when can I listen? Where can I listen? Where's it going to be? Nah, like, yeah, you, when can I share it? And you so, instantly locked in and followed. It's an honor to be on your guys' podcast. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much. Appreciate you for doing it. And I think the last thing I want to say about Lemp is if you're going to go, which please, please, please go see Lemp this year. Go do it. Just because I'm not there. Like, go see them. They put on a great show. It's spooky. It's scary. Your body does not like being six feet underground, naturally, as a human being. Definitely go do it. But go in with the utmost respect. Because if you go in there with negative thoughts or the intentions of hurting people or anyone in there, the ghosts are going to know and they're going to come for you. No doubt. I like that. Great way to close it out. Darnese, you got something? I'm scared. Our niece is terrified. That's yeah. the point of the podcast. Yeah. Jalen. Uh, yeah. Uh, make sure you go check out Lynn Brewery this year. Let's, um, see what they're all about. I'll be guest acting a couple of nights. I can't get away. They're going to need some actors. Make sure you They are going to need some actors. Definitely. <laughs> well, y'all, my name is Nick White. That's Jalen Talley. Darnies. For sure. And our special guest, Deja. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, keep following us. This has been another episode of the Toxic Icon Podcast. And as always, stay toxic.